This is the Horse Radio Network. Hey, you're listening to Adulting with Horses, the best place to be if you can't be at the barn. We are your co-hosts and equine authors, Heather Wallace and Natalie Keller-Reinert. As crazy horse girls, we don't take ourselves too seriously in the saddle or out. We celebrate the things that make us different. Join us as we talk about horses and pop culture and get a little weird in a fun way. Thank you for being a little weird with us. Well, I just finished riding, actually. Oh, I'm so jealous. How'd that go? It went pretty well. He's decided there was something like, there's an abandoned house sort of near my property, because of course there is. And he was looking over there like, there's a ghost at the abandoned house. Um, What are you going to do about it? And uh, so I don't know what that's about. Maybe someone's squatting there? Please don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many, so many squatters as it is. I really can't take one more. Uh (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I got to be honest. I'm I'm in a kind of a negative headspace. I... um, Not only does my dog need surgery, but I somehow miraculously, for no reason whatsoever, hurt my knee. Oh, no. Yeah. I have no idea. And it is an old injury. It's just flaring up for no reason. So, like, I had time to go to the barn today, and guess what I didn't get to do? (laughs) So I'm just bums. That sucks. Yeah. That's I'm having a bummer winter, Natalie. (laughs) Oh, no. Don't have the bummer winter. It'll be fine. Uh, I, I would like to think I um I periodically get this thing where I like can't move my lower back and it'll stay that way for like two weeks mm. so it'll usually be right when I have started accomplishing things I'm like oh uh, yes yes and then it's like oh surprise you could now you are now incapacitated for two weeks good luck yeah, it's, it's a beautiful reminder of our mortality, right? It's like, no, you don't need to fall off a horse to get hurt. You just need to wake up. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Who needs organized religion when our own bodies remind us daily of our mortality? Although, you know, it's really funny. The other day, I said to Corey, my husband, the only thing that I miss, the, the thing that I would trade um, back from like being 20 about my body would be not having allergies. Ah, yes. Because I'm in the th- deep, deep throes of Florida winter allergies, and I'm miserable. <laughs> and I didn't get allergies until like 10 years ago. Yeah, I got allergies after I had uh, my kids. Oh, that so, checks out. Yeah, so my entire body's chemistry changed, and uh, for years, apparently, my body was fighting itself. And last year, I finally got diagnosed after two years of having a full body rash that um, I was allergic to so many different things like soap, shampoo, mm-hmm. makeup, and all these other things. And I was like, that checks. That's right. Great. That's great. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I love my children. I love them. Love them. Of course. They wrecked my body. But yes. I love them. Uh, yes. Well, <laughs> speaking of children, Natalie, oh. um, one of our amazing Clubhouse members had suggested a topic for the podcast about finding the perfect horse. 
And I think uh, when we're children, we all have this idea of what the perfect horse is. Oh, for sure. Yes, it's the black stallion. <laughs> Hands down. It was a classic for a reason. Right. <laughs> um, sometimes you could, you know, you could interchange the colors. Like it might be the black stallion, but it's a dapple gray because, you know, with dapples that will never fade. Oh, no. I, yeah. I wanted the dapple gray with the black points. Oh, for sure. But in an Arab. Like mm-hmm. I wanted an Arabian horse, dapple gray with black points. And um, when I look back now, I'm like, wow. That would have been a mistake, but it was a dream horse. Well, yeah, I'm picturing it right now, and it's in like sort of a mist with a rainbow behind it, and it's gorgeous, and I'm envious of you. That's a yeah. great horse. Yeah, it's a beautiful dream. <laughs> it's a beautiful now, dream. <laughs> was this a like pre-learning to ride beautiful dream? Like once you were riding, did your perfect horse sort of evolve into something else? Um, I kind of kept that in my head for a while when I was young and riding. I wanted to um, – my goal in life was to breed Arabians. Like that was what I saw wow. as my future. I know. I didn't know that. Yeah. It uh, didn't last. <laughs> 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 like all childhood dreams, they somehow evolve. Um, and uh, yeah, but I was obsessed with the Arabians. I thought they were the perfect size. I loved their sassiness. I loved like – how they moved. I loved everything about them. Um, and uh, it wasn't until, God, I've had so many horses over the years that have like made a big difference. And it never really mattered color or breed. It was more personality for me. Um, so yeah, so my views of the perfect horse have changed significantly <laughs> over the years, especially as my my mindset evolves. Yeah. Yeah, when I was, so obviously I started out wanting the Black Stallion, but then as I began riding, it became very clear to me that he had too much Arab in him Mm. um, and it wasn't going to work for me. And I had been riding, I did ride Polish Arabs quite a lot when I was um, learning dressage. I was with a a trainer who only had Polish Arabs. You know how some people only have one kind of horse. That was Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I enjoyed riding them, but I mean, thoroughbreds, clearly I was a racehorse girl. So that's where it was at. Well, Um, you know, thoroughbreds have that Arab in them, you know, back in the day. I mean, it's kind of bred out at this point, but, uh, initially that was the idea, right? Right. Uh, It's pretty, yeah. There's a lot of other stuff in there too, right? There's a lot of other things in there now. (laughs) Yeah. You know, old Tom's, you know, gray mare that could... I love, Somehow jump the fence. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I really love digging into pedigree query. And once you get back to the 1800s, it starts getting real dicey. And once you're in the 1700s, <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah, it's definitely like, you know, Jonathan's good mare. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brown well, boy. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I've definitely ridden uh, a couple of Arabians and I still love them as a, as a, as a breed, um, you know, and working with some of the endurance riders that I do, I've even had a chance to ride one or two of them. Uh, still love them. Definitely not the horse for me. That's um, a lot of horse, you know, and I guess a lot of people would think thoroughbred would be a lot of horse for me, too. But again, it's not really it's more personality. So I don't know. I mean, what's you it's- like thoroughbreds, but what's a perfect horse for you now? Well, that's the thing, right? It's it is personality, because when I was a teenager, uh, a horse was, I mean, I loved horses and I was, you know, careful as a teenager can be with my horses, but horses were machines. They didn't need a personality as much as they needed to jump high and (laughs) move quickly 
and get through a dressage test and do everything I needed to do to be the world's best event rider uh, with a minimum of fuss on their end, right? So I wasn't looking for personality more than he doesn't bite me, uh, he likes carrots. Whereas now the horses that I'm looking for, it's not breed dependent at all. It's really, what's their personality like? You know, what are you like when you're at home? Are you, know, are you interested in me? As interested in me as I am in you? And that's, you know, I got really into working with stallions and mares because they have these big outgoing personalities. And I'm more interested in a horse's opinion now than I was when I was a teenager. And I think that's one of the biggest changes. That's a huge change. And yeah. I would like to say that I think that that is brave of you to admit and I think it's uh it's a I'm really proud of you for like acknowledging the fact that like you had this view when you were younger and it's evolved over time I just feel like that shows so much growth and and connection with the horses now yeah like I was never I was never a you know a cruel rider or a thoughtless rider or things like that but I'm sure I did things that were in the name of competing and not in the name of you know, I want to be the best horse mom I can be. You know, I'm sure I could fool myself into believing I was doing the best thing for my horse. But I was a competitive teenager. I was a competitive 20 something. And yeah, what I was interested in was making it, so to speak. <laughs> in that, that making it that whatever that elusive it is, right? Whatever your goal was at the time. Yeah, somebody told me once that she wanted to see her name in lights. That meant a lot to her. Um, and she was probably close to our age, maybe younger. And I think she was dealing at that point with the realization that she was a better horse mom than she was a trainer. In other words, she was an astonishingly good barn manager, uh, but she was not necessarily going to be a five-star rider. And uh, I think that's true for a lot of people. And it's a heavy realization. But once you push through it, you can find your perfect horse because now your personalities can finally mesh up. Like your priorities can mesh up. Yeah. And I think the idea of a perfect horse changes over time. Um, you know, again, when I was younger, I had this view right? It was all about the color. I loved a flashy horse. And when I went to this first ever trail riding experience, we were visiting the American Southwest. We were down in Arizona and we were touring with the family. And my dad pulled over because he saw a sign that said trail rides here. And I flipped out, like I flipped out. So I made him pull over. <laughs> and so we went to go get on a trail ride. And the second they assigned me a horse and it was a gray pony, I was like, hysterical crying like this is every my every dream came true this was the big moment this was everything and uh you know I never really thought about anything past how he looked he just fit this like perfect little um dream in my mind uh-huh. and uh it's funny because as I've gotten older and I've ridden a variety of horses of different uh, attitudes and colors and, and personalities. And it's funny. I just, there's some I really mesh with and others I just really don't. Yeah. Uh, um, I always liked paint horses again, cause I love that color, that flash. And uh, I went and rode this, this mare who was, she was just awesome. 
Everybody loved her. She was a barn favorite. She and I did not mesh well. She tried to dump me a number of times. And uh, my kids could ride her. But she and I did not mesh. Isn't that funny? It's like my old Marabona Peel. This beautiful chestnut mare. This beautiful thoroughbred you've ever seen in your life. She was elegant. She had British bloodlines. She was very, very classic. And she just did not like me. Oh, man. <laughs> just a match made in hell. We did not. I tried so hard because she was gorgeous and athletic and uh, and young and and nothing. There was there was nothing. <laughs> that sucks. It did suck. And she went on to have a great career. Not with me. <laughs> yeah, well, and that happens, right? Like mm-hmm. I I mean, God. I don't know. As I get older, right, I really try to focus on how I click with the horse on the ground and in the saddle, right? Because for me, obviously, you know, the communication aspect, the relationship is the most important. So Delight and I, it's interesting because his previous owner, he did not have a good relationship with. They didn't click for whatever reason. She was a perfectly nice woman. He's a good boy. They just didn't click. And sometimes that happens. And just like with people out in the world, sometimes we don't click with everybody. Yeah. And I, I kind of wonder how long it takes. Like, how long does it take you to decide if you're clicking with a horse? Because I'm not around a lot of, um, I'm not a lot of, around a lot of horses in general. I'm just around mine. But I can usually tell within the first day, if I'm going to really like this horse or not, like if there's something, there's a spark there, like we've got chemistry, you know what I mean? Um, and you're around borders and you see a lot of people like moving in and out. And I wonder if you see like when somebody gets a new horse, do they kind of, do you kind of see, can you see right away if there's chemistry there? Does it take time? I just wonder if you have an opinion on that. I don't really know. <laughs> no, I mean, I do, I do have, a, I have opinions about a lot of things, Natalie. <laughs> um, you know, and yes. So I think it does sometimes depend on the horse. Uh, some horses are really guarded. Some horses are really shut down. Some horses need to be convinced. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think it's the the rider or the horse person. Um, but yeah, I mean, even working with them in the massage aspect of things, there's some horses that I really click with right away and others I have to convince or slowly gain their trust in order to get the most out of a session. So I think it really depends on the horse specifically, not the person. Okay. All right. That makes sense. I, I definitely, I'm thinking back about some of the horses that, you know, I've, I've met briefly and then sort of for work, just like you've been like, all right, time to deal with this horse on a very intimate basis immediately. And um, one that comes to mind was Pete back at uh, the Central Park Mounted Unit. And he was a big Percheron and he was guarded and he was opinionated to the point where some people were afraid of him because um, he's huge, right? Huge black horse that would give you this look like, I don't hate you, but I'm not thrilled about you and I might bite you. I'm like, okay, I dig that personality, man. <laughs> I actually do too because I find that when you earn it, it means more. Exactly. I'm definitely... Uh, <laughs> oh, what's the word? Um, I'm definitely enough pleased with myself whenever <laughs> I, <laughs> I am the one, I am the chosen one who can ride the horse that hates everyone. Uh, so 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, God, how many TV shows and books have written about that very thing? It's because it is something that everyone strives for. Well, maybe not everyone, but for people who are really interested in that connection with their horse, um, they strive for that special bond, right? Yeah. It, that's it's the ideal. The untamable horse trope. Right. right. Black Stallion. Black Stallion. Rocket from my friend Flicka. Flicka from my friend Flicka. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, it's, Thunderhead it's, from my friend Flick. Jeez, yeah, this bar ranch horse has had some issues. <laughs> well, my God, look at Heartland. Look at uh, what is that? Free Rain. Even the young adult shows out there now, yeah. currently. And so, I mean, what makes the perfect horse? I think a lot of it has to do with that chemistry between horse and rider. And I do think, I mean, I've ridden a number of lesson horses over my life and I can usually tell even when I go on a riding vacation within the first 15 minutes if the horse and I are going to click because it's just figuring out what their communication style is right Mm -hmm. oh yeah do we read each other right are you speaking the same language exactly yeah that makes me wonder I've never bought a horse off a video before but that makes me wonder about um, the success rate of those pairings you know, I don't mean success rate in terms of blue ribbons either because we're all adults now, right? But <laughs> the success rate in terms of your uh, emotional connection and whether you actually like each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think, I do know some people who have bought horses from videos and, and actually been highly successful, but I think those people are intuitive riders. Um, oh, yeah. And I think that that is, an intuitive rider can they might have horses that are more challenging for them, but they can usually have a relatively good relationship with most horses. I think it's the people who are not self-aware that struggle the most. And because you can't lie to a horse, and if you try, they're not going to trust you. I think I probably thought I was an intuitive rider until the Bonapeel incident. <laughs> oh, it <laughs> shook you a little bit, huh? It shook me. Oh, it did for real. Yeah. In fact, I, I had um, a British trainer at the time said, "Woo, she's got the wind up you, doesn't she? And I was like, yes. <laughs> if that means that I'm very afraid of her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know what? I have a saying um, that I'll get on any horse once. And that's that's mostly true because I could tell right away, right? If the mm-hmm. horse is dangerous, obviously no one should be getting on it. But I'll give a horse a chance. I'll give myself a chance to get to know them. There was a couple of years ago I went to the White Stallion Ranch in Arizona, and that was a very interesting trip. They assigned me this horse. Her name was Dolly. She was a halflinger mare. Super cute, like curvy cute. I was like, she is perfect. We did our introductory ride, and I very quickly realized she was a very forward horse. Uh, not a problem as long as they don't get hot. Right. But then I had this feeling. I was like, I, I think for the fast ride, she and I are going to maybe not sync up so much. So we did our canter test. And she was perfect, moved right off the leg. She stopped when I asked her to, except when she stopped, she did this like raining stop, started pawing the air, yep. and then um, tossing her head, right? Just like felt super cute. And it was like, this horse is going to get more and more excited. Right. Every time we go, and she's going to want to be at the front. This is not the horse for me. And my friends thought I was crazy, but I knew it. And 
I was really good. I actually switched her out because I saw her with the trainers and the wranglers the rest of the time. She was a fireball. You wonder how a horse like that gets into a a, a livery line like that. Yeah. You know, like, I guess the, you occasionally might get some show-off rider who wants to be on that. But I don't consider that a vacation. No. And actually, some of the girls I was with and who I love and they're very dear friends, um, they wanted that kind of horse. They wanted that kind of challenge. They wanted that kind of fire underneath them. That is not my idea of a good time. It's just a different vibe. Um, So she was there for the more advanced riders. Now, technically, on paper, I'm an advanced rider. But behaviorally, I just want to do a nice, quiet ride. Right. So (laughs) I never tell them I'm an advanced rider. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm thinking that if I ever get to go to a dude ranch with my family, which is something I've always wanted to do, but probably never will, um, because of, you know, the family part. I don't know if they're into it. But that being said, if I do, I'm when I they ask what kind of rider I am, I'm thinking I just say like, I was a rider in my youth, you know, uh, <laughs> haven't really done it much since I was 15. So that way, I'll know the lingo and I won't look suspiciously tight in the saddle, but they'll think that, oh, she's an old one. <laughs> we have to, <laughs> we have to, we have to treat her with cotton balls and kid gloves. Yes. Yes. I am breakable. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing I've learned over the time. And I even talked to um, Amy. She runs the horses over at Sea uh, Lazy U in Colorado where I've ridden and I was in love with my horse. I told her straight up, I said, listen, I have horses. I'm not looking to do anything crazy. I just want a nice, quiet, chill ride. And so the horse she gave me was perfect. I even told her, I said, I'm a timid rider. I was super honest. Mm -hmm. But you can't always do that when you go to a dude ranch, right? It's just on a piece of paper, you circle beginner, (laughs) intermediate, or advanced. So I circled the beginner. (laughs) Because I want the super steady Eddie horse. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm going to, especially, you know me, I'm afraid of heights. You know, I'm afraid to <laughs> ride out of, ride out in the open. So I definitely want a deadhead horse that isn't going to give me anything to think about. And if we didn't click upon, upon our first ride, then that would just be a whole other thing to think about. Yeah, exactly. And I like that most of those places will do a first ride that's slower so you can get a feel for them. So I think what we're coming up here with is a test ride, maybe even like a test period with a new horse is a really important way to find like your perfect horse. You you need to spend a little bit of downtime with them, right? I, I think so. I think it's always great to introduce yourselves. I mean, after all, you always want a first date, right? <laughs> yeah, and you're not Can't even just jump in. Not even texting for weeks beforehand or something. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, and some of these guys are used to it, but imagine how how open they would be if you actually treated them like a a personality that they are, right? Rather than just a machine, right? To feel them out, to get to know their likes and dislikes. Yeah, and one of the things I like to do whenever possible is I like to be part of the grooming and the tacking up. I feel like grooming is a really nice way to introduce yourself. Uh So Heather, I just realized that winter is coming. And while I live in North Florida, and I don't really expect to see any snow, I'm already like, 
dreading trying to find clothes to wear outside. And I don't even know what it must be like for you because horses up north sucks. For you, maybe, but winter is my favorite season up here. How can that be? I actually ride more in the winter. And I'll tell you, it's been an absolute game changer. As long as the arena is not icy, I just stick on my Reading Oak coveralls or I'm actually, it's on my wish list for this, this year. They've just released their separates collection. So it's bib pants with a jacket and you can mix and match colors. And uh, I'm pretty sure I'm basically going to be living in their clothing because you don't even feel the cold. But aren't you, how are you riding in the saddle wearing like heavy winter clothes? You must look like the Michelin man. You would, except these clothes are designed for women and they're not bulky. It's a really nice fitted material. I always recommend for me, especially because I'm curvy, I like to go a little bit of a size up just so I have Mm. a little extra give in the leg to get over the saddle. Um, But it's super comfortable and it's flattering. Uh, My favorite part is being able to actually not have to get dressed for the barn. I just wear whatever I want underneath, throw my writing out a question over it and just ride. Man, I, um, I usually am wearing like six layers when it's, you know, 30 degrees. So this sounds pretty amazing to me, possibly made up. I will prove it to you one day, I swear, because <laughs> you won't need more than a base layer or a thin sweater. Otherwise, in case you do get hot, which I think you would if you tried to wear six layers, they do have vents under the arms so you can have your own little air conditioning if you need to. But <sighs> they even have a little crop crop area. They have a spur strap. Um, and here's my favorite. They actually have a hood that you could put over your helmet. So <sighs> if it gets rainy or windy or snowy, you're protected and covered. Oh my gosh. I love that idea. Do they also get frozen ears, but those stupid ear headbands really don't work for them? That's incredible. No, you don't need them because actually the hood fits right over you and just protects you as long as you're wearing your helmet for safety purposes. Um, It's designed to fit over the helmet and you don't even feel the wind because you're perfectly insulated. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you something. I used to gallop racehorses at Aqueduct Racetrack which may be the coldest place in North America because the wind blows right in off of the uh, like Jamaica Bay. And uh, I'm starting to think if I had had this ready note outfit coveralls with the hood to protect my poor head, maybe I wouldn't have given up riding for five years. Just a thought. Hey, comfort is queen. And honestly, (laughs) in the summers, they have a rain coverall. So from like March until October, I actually wear their lightweight rain coverall because I can stay warm and dry even when I'm out at even my kids' games, the barn, or working. And I don't have to worry about getting wet and uncomfortable. That's the dream. It is the dream. You should try it out. Readingoutequestrian.com. Go check it out and let me know what you think, Natalie. I'm on it. So let's let's talk about kind of what we look for in a horse, right? So what are some of the things that, or for example, I think, again, personality we've talked about is like the number one thing. Um, the personalities have to match. They have to vibe. But one thing I suggest to people when they're looking for a horse is is age, a lot of times age is nothing but a number, but it can give you an idea of where to start. 
Yeah, I think that's really true. I mean, some people are going to be comfortable with a young horse because they've done it before. Um, and if you haven't done it before, you're not willing to set yourself up for whatever physical travails might come of starting a younger horse. Um, I think a horse over 10 is certainly worth considering and maybe doesn't get a lot of looks, you know, like a, a 12, a 15 year old. These horses are in their prime, right? And uh, I haven't had a horse that old. Well, they've been there. They've got a little experience, but they're still, you know, hopefully at least a decade away from retirement. Yeah. You know, horses last a lot longer than they used to. Let's be real, especially if you treat them gently. So if your goals are not too hugely physical, you know, i.e. you don't have to jump five days a week in order to meet your goals, then, um, you know, a horse with a lot of turnout is a horse that could be very happy to be under saddle well into their 20s, right? Absolutely. Well, and if you think about it too, right? So some people, you have to think about what your priorities are. If there's somebody out there who really wants to uh, make a horse, right? They want to start from the beginning and really make a horse their own way. You're going to want younger. But if you're a timid rider like myself, you're going to want something with an amazing brain, right? Delight was four when I first started riding him, which is obscene to think about. (laughs) (laughs) I just think this is the moment for brutal honesty with oneself about not just what you're riding capacity is or your right you're writing goals but what you're actually going to do because they say everybody is looking for a horse that's way more than what they need right and there's a lot of inflation in horse prices now kind of for that reason I feel like with social media we're exposed to people doing big things and big horse shows and sort of the local amateur grassroots lifestyle is it isn't that it doesn't exist anymore or that it's not important anymore it's that that's not what we're looking at on our feeds and I think people get these show ring aspirations that it's not that they're unrealistic, but maybe they're unnecessary. Does that make sense? And I don't want to talk down anybody who's, you know, showing at a high level. That's not my goal here. But like when I started riding, I was at a fairly posh hunter jumper barn. And our whole goal every year was to do awesome on the local hunter jumper circuit. They were schooling shows, but they were everything. <laughs> They mattered. They did. And they, I, they, I believe that these things still do. Like I know Orlando has a very uh, competitive local hunter jumper circuit. Um, so it, it, what it comes down to, my long-winded way of saying, is there's a lot of people out there looking at like horses that cost the same price as, you know, a down payment on a mansion. <laughs> And have capabilities and uh, and experience that are commensurate with that price, but they might not be what you were actually looking for. Yeah, I think price always has to be an option. I have a shocking amount of horses offered to me. Yes, <laughs> for free. Yes. <laughs> um, and they're good horses. They usually do require a little maintenance. 
But again, that's something that I don't shy away from because that's something I really am knowledgeable about, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and so, you know, price is an option. I've seen plenty of $150,000 horses that break <laughs> because they're pushed too hard too fast. And uh, you really have to stick in your budget. You can find some great horses that maybe need a little TLC, but that are less money. Exactly. Like, check out the less expensive horse and see what that personality matches and then consider the athleticism portion and match up your priorities with that way. You know what I mean? Like my big thing is like when somebody says, well, how do you find the right horse? My number one response to them is just ask the universe for the right horse. Because the minute you say, hey, I'm interested in a horse. Uh, <laughs> Thousands will be on your FYP. The horses will appear. They will be free or they will be $100,000 or they will be somewhere in between. And then you're free to move that slide back and forth and decide where you where your dream horse belongs, like on that spectrum. Like, you know me, free horses are my dream horses. Uh, <laughs> and and when I was a teenager, off-track thoroughbreds were my dream horses, and they were practically free back then. So, yeah, now they're definitely not free. <laughs> well, you know, my first one was a thousand bucks, and I, that was that was uh, in the early '90s. So, like, you can still get them oh, for a thousand bucks now. Um, yeah, and he was he was five, and he wasn't he wasn't built particularly well. Bless him. And a cowboy was using him just to kind of move cows around back and forth while he uh, put weight on him because he'd been abandoned. So, you know, you can find him in weird places, I guess, is one way <laughs> of putting it. Well, that's true. Um, and, you know, you have to be kind of – if you know if you don't know anything about horses. So I have someone uh, that I know who doesn't have a lot of experience, and they were really looking for breed. Mm-hmm. But it was a breed that was not a good fit for them. Oh, it was a pretty breed? Yes. And it's just, you know, sometimes those pretty breeds just aren't the best fit for a beginner or a new rider or that discipline. Right. And so you have to take that into consideration because, again, my thoroughbred is wonderful. He is perfect in every way, even though I'm a timid rider because of his personality and everything. But he is also not necessarily typical of a thoroughbred in many ways. And so you have to look at some of the, you know, the individual aspects. But if you're just looking on social media or you're looking at the equinow.com or something like that, and you're looking for a horse, maybe try to focus on a breed that is known for the things that you need, like, or want. Yeah, like if you're looking for a chill buddy to do lots of stuff with and maybe that your kids can ride or something, I don't know, wouldn't you look at a quarter horse first, I would think? Or maybe you might even look at an Arab if you like just a little bit more um, zip, I guess you could say, because I've seen lots of them make great family horses. Oh, yeah. Uh, standard breads are pretty well known for being deadheads. So, I mean, all of these have exceptions, but, you know, it makes it a lot easier to sort of narrow it narrow down. Narrow it down. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, please look at Ferris, right? He's half Welsh cob, half thoroughbred. 
and uh, the worst uh, half some days of both. you don't know. oh god yeah and some days you just don't know which part you're gonna get <laughs> so you got to be ready like is today a welshy day or is today a thoroughbred day okay let's go with it but i'm familiar with both i'm okay with both and i have enough knowledge of both so again it's like if you're looking for the perfect horse that's a great way to say like start with you know kind of breed standards and then personality narrow it down to age are they fit enough for the discipline you want can you take the time to help them be fit enough like are they built for right i see i like what we've done here is we've turned the pyramid upside down so instead of looking at ads of horses that you think are pretty (laughs) who are jumping the fences that you'd like to jump or doing the test you'd like to do flip it over on its head and do the big part first and narrow it down. So the top, what used to be the bottom of the pyramid was the breed. (laughs) And then the personality. And then we start talking about athleticism and suitability. Once you've narrowed down, can I work with this horse? Because honestly, the personality might make you change your tune about what you want to do with the horse. If you really if if they really are the one for you, like your brains click and you like each other, maybe you would change your plans. I think we've heard of plenty of people who said, well, I bought this horse to do X and the horse didn't like it. So now we do Y and we're world champions at Y. <laughs> I never saw this coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's I have a friend that's the prime example. She ended up so she is primarily a hunter jumper, wanted to do hunter paces. She does endurance, but like she never really bought this horse for the endurance because she had an endurance horse for that job. And she took this horse and she started training it, started doing the hunter paces, everything. They did a cow sorting clinic and then they did barrel racing for fun. That horse literally wants to be a barrel Uh, horse. I mean, it is so completely obvious. It's ridiculous. It just lit up. (laughs) Oh, she's on fire. I mean, she still likes to jump and do the other things, but she clearly wants the barrel racing job. That's so cool. I wonder, there should be like some sort of expo games thing where you take your horse and they just try out different things. And you can see what your horse really likes. You know, like when my son was first going to learn to play a musical instrument back in elementary school, they set them up in a room with a whole bunch of instruments and they tried all of them and got evaluated on them. And so they could do that where you go to this like horsey, fun day seminar <laughs> and you could say okay you try a trail obstacle and you could try a barrel course and you can try jumping cross rails and then we'll see what your horse likes best like so when it comes to looking for your perfect horse right keep in mind what's perfect for you now may not be perfect for you and your physical and mental health in 10 years. You could switch disciplines, you can move, you can, you know, there's a lot of variables to consider. So for me, when I look at a horse, I look at the long term. I look at this horse is going to be part of my family forever. Mm -hmm. I know that's not always the case with everybody. I know that. I'm not judging that. Um, But I think if you're going to look to buy a horse, you need to be aware that this is a long-term commitment or it should be in the sense that you have to make sure that they have a good home after you. Or if you're going to retire them, you have the wherewithal to do it. So think about terms of like what would benefit you long-term and be the most – what's the word I'm thinking of? Like, you know, the best fit into your life. Yeah. 
and that should take into account uh, if you do have to retire that horse young for any reason. Are you going to enjoy having this horse around? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. What if the horse is injured, mm-hmm. right? That's a real possibility. I used to, when I was turning over um, thoroughbreds to a certain extent, I liked to buy mares because they retained some breeding ability, you know, if if they didn't have uh, the athletic integrity that I needed, then I had an option to consider breeding it or doing a, a lease breeding or something like that. If somebody was interested in wanting to start a, a new stallion, then I, you know, could lend them the mare for the season, that kind of thing. So those are considerations you can have too. Like, does the horse have, does the horse have value besides its athletic slash competitive ability? And what is that value to you? Is it part of your family? Is that the level of value? You know, or is it bloodline and the ability to breed so you could sell it on? Like, they're factors to ask, you know? Yeah, and be honest with mm-hmm. yourself because the the thing that I found is most problematic is when someone buys a horse based on something very, I don't want to say shallow, but on, you know, color or the name mm-hmm. or the trainer thinks oh, they'll be good for them for that show like season. Like something immediate. I mean, that's what a lease is for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if you if it's a three-month goal, you should lease the horse for sure. <laughs> Yeah, if you don't want to commit to a, 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 you know, taking care of this animal for its long, hopefully, life, mm-hmm. right? Think about a lease. There's plenty of free leases out there or reasonably priced leases. Uh, some people pride themselves on those less expensive leases, and those horses are fantastic a lot of the times. Um, think about, again, like the horse's intelligence level, what they want to do mentally and physically what they're capable of do those align with what you want to do yeah and I think honestly I think that for me is the most important thing because initially I wouldn't I didn't buy delight um there was a few reasons one he was at the point six years old I had young kids we wanted a family horse and he was green um but really I knew he could have a fantastic show career and that I was not going to provide that for Mm -hmm. him so it wasn't until we turned out he did not want that, <laughs> that I was like, you know what, maybe this is the right fit for us now. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, and I think that if you, if you pause and you don't rush uh, and you let things come to you and, and you percolate and all those sorts of very patient things, then I do think that the right horse shows up. I really do. Because it's happened for me a few times. Um, you know, times when I was kind of despondent if I'd ever be able to have the, a horse that I did enjoy riding and that I could afford not just to purchase but to keep, you know, in terms of um, in terms of vet bills and 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 farrier and feed and all of those things. And Ben has been all of those things for me, and I just had to wait it out and sort of trust my gut. In order to reach him, I rode a couple of horses before I settled on on Ben. And anybody who's listening will know that he was not my first choice to ride <laughs> or even look at. <laughs> uh, and and it's take it's and he's kind of opposite of your normal he, kind of like the thoroughbred. Like he's not he's completely <laughs> at all different. Yeah, from yeah. everything I've ever ridden. Uh, like I said, I, he's the first pony I rode since I was a twelve year old. 
learning to ride, you know, or a 10 year old rather. Um, and of absolute indeterminate breed and who knows what history and stuff like that. And so I just treated him like a blank slate and he repaid me in kind and it's been good. It's been really good. I love him. <laughs> well, it's so funny. It, it almost goes to say like, um, that your type, right? Like the type of horse, the type of man you date, the woman you date or whatever is not always necessarily the one you're going to marry. It's not always necessarily the one that you end up with. And sometimes that's for the best because you you sometimes get what you need, not what you that's want. That's really true. Yeah. Deep, 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 Heather. Uh, okay, so I'm going to start... Um, so adulting wins of the week. We this week was a little bit of a struggle, um, but I would like to s say that my adulting win was well. The highlight of my week really was getting to the barn. It's been really hard to get there lately with my schedule, and when I went to the barn and I walked up to the horses in the paddock. They were so excited to see me. They came right over and Aww. Delight even nickered, which <laughs> oh, it gets me every time. Oh, that is the now that's the dream. You want to talk about dream horse when we were kids nonsense. Oh, yeah. It's a horse nickering to you. That's it. It's everything. I mean, <laughs> everything. And especially too for a horse like Delight, like if he doesn't like you, it's it's clear. Like, there's no mistaking it. And the fact that I have earned this right. horse's trust, that he will actually <laughs> call out to me. Uh, I mean, literally, I just, oh, that is, it makes me want to cry. Like, I'm just, yeah, he's awesome. That's beautiful. My adulting win of the week is a little more prosaic than that, but I'm pretty proud of it anyway. I learned to use a new power tool. Ooh. Uh, I know. I don't like power tools because I am, in fact, a large baby. And <laughs> anything that could, that moves on its own, seems very dangerous to me. Uh, I'm a cavewoman. I, <laughs> I should be able to so operate. So, wait, what it. type of power tool should this, is this something that could send you to the hospital? Oh, for sure. Um, but not, so I already know how to use, I can kind of use a drill. And, but I, I don't love them because they scare me a little bit. I can use <laughs> and do enjoy using a chainsaw. I find them thrilling. Um, <laughs> do you goggle it up? Um, protect those eyes? For the sake of all of the people listening, yes. I wear all protective <laughs> equipment always. Safety begins with me. Uh, Safety first. My eyes are always protected anyway because I wear enormous glasses. But I am very careful. I like to do like make the notches because I learned that from yes. Little House in the Big Woods. Um, Paul Ingalls taught me that. So I'm very happy <laughs> to put some of my book knowledge to use. But what I didn't know, what Paul Ingalls did not teach me, is that you can't just cut down a tree. The tree will come back. So I have a very unfortunate situation where I have a whole lot of very poisonous cherry trees that keep coming back. So we were digging out the uh, the stumps, which is just a thrilling job. And that is hard work. It is hard work. But you know what? It's a gym membership, right? So I learned how to use a 
reciprocating saw. <gasps> Ooh, say that twice. Yes, it is a tiny, jangly little saw that goes back and forth really, really fast all by itself. And I learned how to use it so I could cut loose some roots that were uh, stuck in the ground. And it was very exciting. So, so, so is that a good option? Because uh, I always thought you could just get us like rent a stump grinder, but that sounds like a cheaper option. Yes, doing everything all by yourself is always the cheaper option. And um, I'm having nonstop financial surprises this year. So it's going to have to be the cheaper option every time. So uh, <laughs> all by I hear hand, that. Well, maybe. we've got a lot of trees that we're we're going to be clearing. So I'm just filing this away, my little mental. I am actually learning to use a chainsaw, and I convinced Jason to let me get my own little girly chainsaw so we can chainsaw together like oh, a happy little married couple. Chainsawing together—that's so cute. Maybe I need to get one. <laughs> I'll tell you what we have learned, and this could depend on soil. This might not be true in Vermont, but in Florida, it has it has proven. That it is easier to um, like loosen a tree and sort of pull it down, taking the roots with it, than it is to cut down the tree and then get the roots out. So I watched oh, my that husband sense. like rip trees out of the ground, which is very entertaining for me. Ooh, sexy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so very manly. He's, he's extremely manly. That's very cool. Because he reads a lot too. So, you know. I got oh, both. that is intellectually very, yeah. very sexy. Intellectual sex boy. Yeah, um, the reciprocating <laughs> saw. That's my adulting win of the week. That sounds pretty. That sounds pretty good. I mean, the thought of you with a power tool in the woods does give me a little sense of uh, of uh, horror. I bet you can't even picture it, can you? I really, I kind of need a picture. <laughs> I need you to. No, I mean, I don't want you to take a selfie and like cut off a finger, but like maybe if Corey were to take a little snap of this happening, that would be great. I have a picture of me with a chainsaw because I was so pleased to learn how to use it that I was like, Corey, take my picture. You should be pleased. That is something to be proud of. I think that's that's a lot of stuff. And like, listen, that's a big win, right? You're doing all this hard work by yourself. Well, you know, with your husband. Um, yeah, that is nothing to sneeze at. It's hard work. It is hard work. We are grubbing stumps. It is fully 1800 up in this place, except for the reciprocating saw. Yeah. Well, <laughs> God, you know, you have a machete, a reciprocating saw, mm -hmm. a chainsaw. Yep. Basically, no one should fuck with you. They really shouldn't. They shouldn't have before. But now I'm also armed. <laughs> yeah armed and angry yeah super angry <laughs> <laughs> exactly these fuckers won't hit them you're adulting now <laughs> well i think that's awesome i mean yours is definitely more of a of a badass type of adulting win mine is more of a heart horse type of win but we take the wins where we could get them i think they're equally think very important, important. Uh, getting a horse to call to you i mean horses don't make noise right because they're prey animals so for a horse to open his mouth and say hey to you that's trust oh yeah he's so good and that's why i trust him too i'll be honest so we've had some ups and downs you know especially when i first got him and and we were working through some of the his triggers and things like that but the fact that this horse is willing to communicate and trust me the way he does makes me trust him even more. 
And that's why I kind of get over myself and why I took him off property and why I got on him, even though he was being a loon and why I'm alive. I really, truly feel like this horse would do anything for me. I completely understand what you mean by that because you know that Ben and I have our troubles in the saddle, but he's very close to me and affectionate on the ground. And so I don't ever believe anything is personal. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what I do think Ferris would and has dumped me on purpose. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I can clearly name the reasons why. Uh, And (laughs) I've seen him do do it to other people. Uh Um, He loves me, but our relationship is not the same Mm -hmm. as Delight and I. Um, Ferris is more like my husband kind of relationship where he's just like wants to challenge me and keep me on my toes. He doesn't want to hurt me, but he wants to teach me a lesson, right? <laughs> um, where delight is just like, you know, we're, we're besties. I see. Hmm. <laughs> That's quite a good Which nobody, most people wouldn't realize because when you look at Ferris, he, right, most people think he's the confidence builder and he, he has been, but like. Boy, does that pony challenge me. Well, confidence building isn't always pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear about the last time he tried to, uh, that he dumped me? Did I tell you this story? No, not about getting dumped. Oh, I've heard well, good I'll things have to tell where you, really you didn't quick. get dumped and there's been like, yay, I didn't get dumped today, but not the right. uh, actual. No, this is a pretty good one. I'll fit it in real quick at the end here. Okay. Um, because that was a pretty fun. This is just a prime example of of how Ferris is different. So delight will will buck out of um, pain. Like if something hurts, he'll react. Mm-hmm. Right. Ferris, however, doesn't have a buck in him, like at all, um, until you piss him off. <laughs> so one way to do that would be to grab his mouth over a jump. Right. <laughs> um, he's got auto lead changes. You don't have to do anything. You just shift your weight. He's perfect. So uh, two years ago, we were we were cantering around. I was legging him up for a whole bunch of stuff. And I said, you know what? He's being such a cutie. Let's just take this little cross rail, like a baby cross rail, barely up in the air. He felt very handsome. Like he felt very cute, right? So we did it again. And he did it perfect. Should have stopped there. Yeah. Because the third time <laughs> we came around, he turned the corner and then took off like a rocket, full gallop, had the bit in the mouth, just ran with it. And so knowing him like I do, I said, I will not pull this pony back in the sense that like I will not grab his mouth. So we go over the jump at a freaking gallop and I just let go of the reins grab Maine and trust that he's going to take me over it. We get our lead. We come to the canter and we stop like three strides out. Perfect. He takes a huge breath, drops his head, and then crow hops like a flipping bronc horse four or five times, right? I sit it. Everything's fine. I'm laughing at the working student next to me. I was like, oh, he feels really cute, you know, whatever. The pony takes a deep breath, turns around to look at me. Drops his shoulder, crow hops one more time, gets me right off. <laughs> he, said, he like waited for me to relax. He said, I want to see the look on your face. <laughs> and then he just stood there and looked at me oh on the ground. God. That's worse. So that's my pony. That's my pony. <laughs> that's what I mean when I say he will dirty, ju- he will dirty dump you. Oh, jeez. 
That's a lot. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've fallen off Ferris way more times than Delight. <laughs> <laughs> and Ferris has been delighted every time. <laughs> oh, he does. He, I think he gets some sick, twisted humor out oh of it. God. Like that's just his personality. <laughs> Thank you for being a little weird with us, Horse Girl. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your player of choice. Follow us on Instagram at Adulting with Horses Podcast, or even better, join our Adulting with Horses Clubhouse on Facebook, where you can become part of the show. Also, it's a great place to meet other horse crazy women. 